How's it going, everyone? Welcome into the Sports Appeal Podcast. I'm your host, AJ Teal. As always, to my right, my co-host and my dad, Noel Teal. It is so good <laughs> to be a Denver bandwagon fan, buddy. Let's go. Just, for all my... Uh, for all my Heat fans that are watching right now, because I told everybody, like, we're from Florida. We live in Orlando. There's a lot of people from Miami. We know tons of Heat fans and, and Heat supporters and stuff. So I told all of them, all of which I'm associated, I said, for the next two weeks or how lo- however long this series goes, like, you're just going to you're, you're gonna watch two people that have hopped on the Nuggets bandwagon are just going to, like, root for them. So I didn't tell you to say that. That was all you. Don't, like, they can't come at me anymore. No. You're... No. I'm not gonna. I'm not Listen, gonna tell I, them where you. I'm not gonna tell them where you live. But you know, I'm just fine. saying that this is all Listen, you. Hey, I told you. I picked them before the season started. I picked them when the playoffs started. I I love this team. Like I actually enjoy watching this team. They are fun to watch. I agree with you on that, and I I have agreed with you on that. But in game one, and what we're gonna talk about in this episode, and we'll go over game one and what what we really learned from that Nuggets win. But I'll say one thing, like. Snooze fest, dude. Snooze all, fest, game one but, from both teams. If if I was a Heat fan right now, I'd be like, it's over. It, it's over for one major reason. Denver didn't play well and won easily. Might have been their worst game of the playoffs so right. far. Yes, and they and they, they won by ten or eleven. They couldn't years. hit a three. They couldn't hit a three pointer to save their lives. And here we are with an eleven point win. Miami is toast. Host. We have game one to talk about. We also have some off-season news in the NBA. Some coaches are being hired. Uh, Monty Williams to the well, Pistons. Money. And then right as we start money. to record, as it always happens, um, we have we have Frank Vogel, who will be the Suns' next coach, which is a little more of a conversation we need to have because they could have – I think they quite possibly downgraded heavily uh, with get, getting rid <laughs> yeah. of, of Monty there just to go with Frank Vogel. So – We'll talk about that as well. So we got a lot to talk about in the NBA. Let's get into it. Let's run it. And let's start with those coaches. And we'll start before we get to Vogel um, with Monty, Monty Williams, the, the, the former Suns coach who took them to an NBA Finals and then took them uh, on a pretty good run this past year just to get spoiled by the now NBA Final favorite, uh, Denver Nuggets. So, you know, it, to say, you know, the, the firing was was questionable. We both said that. I don't know if it was, you know, Monty Williams to take the blame and, you know, you're going to run back another year of Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant. Why wouldn't you just keep that, that, that same, you know, coach. So we didn't quite get it. I still think Monty Williams is one of the best coaches in the NBA. Um, was and now coach, wasn't he the coach of the year a year ago? Yeah. Like, it, I mean, just so, a year ago was the coach of the year in the NBA. And now he's fired after they lose in the second round. Um, to a very good Nuggets team that that Suns team had no chance in beating. So that's why we said that that firing was definitely unjust and and didn't understand. We It was just a matter of time of saying, where will Monty Williams go next? This guy is a top coach. He'll be picked up. We thought it'd be the 76ers, the Bucks. you know, some of these top Eastern Conference teams would go after him. And he decided that he was interviewed and he he was offered for some of those jobs. And he decided to go to become the highest paid coach in the NBA and coach the Detroit Pistons. So the highest say that again. The highest, highest paid, coach. paid coach. And there's Four, and there's two coaches that he had to drastically uh improve his his pay from the Suns to this now to to jump over which is Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr 
who are two of the highest paid coaches in the NBA by far. The gap between those two and the next highest paid is, is a couple million. And he jumped both of them. The Pistons threw everything they had to get Monty Williams to try to fix this team. I love the aggressiveness from the sure. Pistons. I'm not a huge believer in that a great coach can just solve everything, but it's a step that they have to take because I feel like the Pistons have just had a lot of mediocre coaching there for a lot of years. And you're getting, I truly believe you're getting a great coach in Monty Williams. Listen, I totally agree with you. I think the coach is going to change the whole dynamics of that team, but that team cannot stay healthy. That team has a lot of young, very good players that don't seem to play well together. Right. I mean, we love everybody on that team. I mean, these are guys that we followed in college, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Duran, you know, Jaden Ivey, like the, the, the team. And they have Jason, they have uh what's the name? Wiseman and, and Bagley Jr. Like the, Bagley, the third, like they, they've got some really good pieces. If right. Monty Williams can create something offensively with the right flow, right. And, and commit this team to play some defense, you have some good pieces there. Right. Then they've had, they have pieces. And I think that, you know, you have to get a guy who's experienced and can coach these young guys up. And that's yeah. that's where they went with, with Monty Williams. Now, where did the Pistons get all this money to pay Monty Williams this? I have no idea. I don't know who stepped up and that, said, we got to pay this guy the big bucks. But That just comes out of the owner's pocket, man. There's yeah. no salary cap for the coach. If the owner wants to pay him, the, the owner just has to stroke a check. Right. So you have Monty you know, Williams. By the way, by the way yeah. they could have gotten me for a lot cheaper. Oh, a lot cheaper. Lot cheaper. I don't even think it would have taken a million to get you there. Probably not. The Suns had to replace Monty Williams, though, and that yeah. came just a couple of minutes ago, actually, as we're starting to record this on Friday. Uh, the Suns are finalizing a deal with Frank Vogel, who most recently coached the Lakers in 2020 in the COVID year where they won the Mickey Mouse ring, as a lot of people refer to it, but a ring nonetheless. And Frank Vogel was the coach of that team with LeBron and AD. So he has a, a recent championship. He won a lot of games in Indiana all those years with Paul George. Had a little stint with the Magic there, if you know if you remember that. But that was just kind of a, a rebuilding phase. But when he's been on 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 teams that are supposed to win, he's he's won a lot of games. I mean, there's he has a very good you know track record, and he's obviously won the championship very recently. But I just can't help the fact that I still see it as a downgrade from Monty Williams. Like they didn't go get another great coach in today's NBA. They didn't get another guy to replace Monty Williams to take that team from you know, not taking any steps back. I think with Frank Vogel, like, I think you obviously take a step back. Like he is, he's a little outdated as a coach, you know, obviously took a few years off after that, you know, ring uh, win. So I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I still am sitting on the fact that I think this team would, would have been much better off keeping Monty Williams for another year, keeping him as your coach. It, it was just an extra move that I didn't think they had to make. And then they go with Frank Vogel. I think you could have done worse, but I think you could have done a lot better. So, Frank Vogel's, you know, overall coaching, you know, record is about 50, like 530, right? I mean, he's just above 500 in all the places that he's been, right? So you're getting a coach who is, like you said, about as mediocre. I mean, we watched him coach in Orlando and that team couldn't get out of their own way, right? Yeah. He did much better when he had stars, right? So handling LeBron James, letting LeBron, you know, feel like he was the man, but still coaching him up dealing with Anthony Davis, right? Like you said, PG in Indianapolis. I think the reason, obviously, they brought Vogel in 
right? Why, why Matt, uh, the, the, the owner, Ishba, whatever his name is, Ishbia, like brought him in is because he's got all of these big egos and he needs somebody who isn't going to take the limelight away from them, right? right. And still allow them to play their game. The other reason is, and, and I've been reading more about this, is there was definitely a beef between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton, right? There was definitely bad blood. And this may, bringing Vogel in, get DeAndre Ayton to stay, right? So that might be one of the reasons that it might also make a little bit more sense. Right. I think he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I, I agree with you. I think Monty Williams is a better coach, but maybe Monty Williams wasn't the right coach for these freaking egomaniacs. Right. And at least they didn't. The, the The rumor out there was that they were leaning towards Doc Rivers. That was a yes. rumor at one point oh, a couple days ago, was, and I, that's why I I honestly thought they were going to do it. I don't know why. I, I just the, what I was seeing was that this was a real scenario, and that they would go with him over Vogel. Obviously, today that doesn't happen, and that, I thank God they didn't. Like at least I would have rather gone with Vogel after what you've seen from Rivers as of recent. So at least they didn't do that. It is time. It is time doc to hang it up. Go be yeah. an analyst enough. No, I enough agree. Of yeah. you coaching. Go, go to the, go to the, the, the TV box, go to the, yes. the, go to the sideline, do some, some radio broadcast. He's got a good voice. Yeah. He's got a great voice. He knows the game. He'll be a great color. He'll be another, you know, Mark Jackson or Stan Van Gundy and, and no. get him, get him off <laughs> of the coaching arena. Please. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um, so that's the two coaching hires that that happened as of recent. Um, right right now, every everyone should have a coach. All the, the, the prime spots are, are taken now. So everyone kind of gets refigured there as yep. it was a different sort of offseason. The Pistons were the only bad team that fired their coach. Like all these other spots were guys that made the playoffs, guys that made the, the first and second round. So it was a little weird. In in this type of coaching carousel in the NBA, but I mean, teams are teams are right. Teams are getting impatient, more impatient by the year. So that's why you're seeing those kind of fires that we're not used to there. So um, let's uh, unless you have anything else that you want to mention here, I do. Did you get a call from Skip Bayless to to to, oh yes lock in for Shannon Sharp saying I'm out. I did not. That was that was big news that I saw. Unexpected news. Um, yeah. The show Undisputed on Fox Sports. Uh, that was that that that's been going on for years now um, with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, and Shannon Sharp finally gets a buyout of his 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 contract, and now he is going to move on from the show. I think their last episode is after this NBA Finals is over. So you got about a week of of Skip and Shannon. That's been like I said going on years now, and and that show's going to end. I don't know why nothing's really came out about why so sudden um, you could kind of tell if you watch the show and you watch the, uh, the way they go at it, you could tell it was getting a little old, um, yep. a little redundant. Um, and they, and I, they were, they were always constantly irritated at each other. Right. Always. It, it, it went from jokingly get, right. going back the and per- forth to each other to like, it personal. got personal. Yeah. It got a little away from this isn't sports like right. news journalists journalism this is kind of just two old guys arguing back and forth with each other so if it may have been from the uh the 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 company itself fox sports itself that said this needs to end or maybe shannon sharp just went out and said i'm gonna take the the, the step and, and get away from this and and we'll see where he ends up we'll see if skip bayless gets another person to join him on a show i don't know why he would stop i mean this is what he's been right. doing forever so i don't think he's gonna stop anytime soon and and shannon sharp like 
Shannon Sharp is a good analyst. Like I, I enjoy listening to Shannon Sharp. Um, he gets a little crazy sometimes, and like him and him and Skip Bayless were on a show for a reason. People like I know Skip Bayless is insane, but like Shannon Sharp can go that way too, and and be a little you know sure. insane on the other hand. So there's a reason they had a show together. They clicked, but it it, it got old, and and now they'll they'll move on. Let's just go back one second. Did you say? the two of them are getting old, like they are getting, getting old? Getting, okay, let me rephrase. Not not age-wise. Okay. Getting okay. old, the, sh- the, the show, the jokes, the, the constant bickering is getting old. Just, just make the it show, sure, because I'm, I'm, I'm two years younger show, than Shannon. So. The show is getting old. Okay. I didn't Got mean it. them. Although Got Skip Bayless may be getting old. No, no, he <laughs> might be. And, and, and thank God he's a Cowboys <laughs> fan, otherwise I, I wouldn't be able to stand him. But yeah, no, the, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting you know, all of these talk shows that, that kind of pit, you know, it's kind of been ever since Pardon the Interruption, right? Wilbaum right. and Kornheiser started this whole thing, right? Get two guys who know sports, one black, one white, right? Give them their two different experiences and their and their perspectives. And and those two guys, to me, still are the classic. Yeah, they still do it today. They do it, yeah. you know, the same show, and it's it. great. And they're, and they're both brilliant, and I, I really enjoy listening to both of them. I think they're both really outstanding. Since then, they've tried all these iterations, Stephen Smith with somebody or, you know, uh, Shannon Sharp and, and Skip, and you get all these different, you know, kind of iterations. Right. I still think, and, and I say this, I don't think anybody does it as good as PDI, you know? I, I just, yeah. I think PDI is still the the, the one that, that holds the candle. Right, and that show you watch, and you would never say it gets old. It's just, they, they talk about stuff, you know, the well, what's going on, like we do in, you know, in the world of sports. They they hit every major sport. They oh they don't miss a story, and they talk about it for their their two three minutes, and they and they move on. Like it's it's just a great kind of structured show. There, the way that undisputed works. If you've ever watched it, it's like yeah. Sometimes they talk about good stuff, but half the time though, in in the middle of June, they'll talk about well the Cowboys win week eight at the right. Giants. Like I'm like what what is going on right now? What are you guys talking about? This is all you can talk about just to get the Cowboys fans to right. to click on your video. Fox Sports. Call us up. We'll, yeah, like we'll, we'll take over. Well, I'm even. I'm even offering to drop the name of the show, and we will take the name Undisputed, and wow. and Noel Teal and AJ Teal will take over Undisputed show. All right. Here's here's the problem. I don't know if the I don't even know if Fox Sports can handle it. I don't know if the world could handle two Cowboy fans like <laughs> on the same show. Like it's good with the ones. So you can always have like Shannon Sharp, who was like like always trolling with the Eagles and was like a big LA fan. Um, we just I don't know if you could have two. We bring guests in. Yeah, I'm sure really, they would yeah, love to, you know, to rally us. Hey, before you get into the game, because I know you want to talk about game one, and so do I. Right. One thing, sports-related, but more like, you know, uh, you know, TV show-related. I, I, I watched the last episode of Ted Lasso last night, the series I heard, finale. I heard there were some tears shed. That's what I heard. I, I'm just telling you. Right. In all my years of watching TV, mm-hmm. I will put Ted Lasso in the top five shows of all time. I, I think it is you, brilliant. I well, here's the thing. You and you and everyone else, you and everyone else. I mean, this is like a beloved show across the board. Um, How have you not watched it yet? How I, have you not I plan, watched it yet? I plan on starting it either this weekend or, the, or next week. Like I once I heard that this like they made three seasons. This is over. Like the show ended. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I, I thought it would, you know, nowadays they milk it out and they they go into these extra seasons. But now that I know it's an over, it's over. I can watch it through. Give me a week, I can finish three seasons like like that. So give me a week. It's a, 
It's only 30 episodes, and, and yeah, most so. of them are between 35 and an hour. You should bang it out in no time. It is worth every second you will spend. All right. So I'll, I'll get to it. But, yeah, I, I did hear about that. It got really good just all around. I'm looking on the internet. I mean, everyone watches it but me, I feel like. Um, everyone had good reviews on the, the season finale there. So that was good. And now let's get to game one of the, the NBA Finals where the Nuggets – the Nuggets came out with a 104-93 victory, take a 1-0 series lead. They are now 9-0 at home in the playoffs. Still have not lost a home game. And like we said in the intro, and, this is... And won't. Yeah, maybe won't. But, but like I said in the intro, I think what we need to acknowledge is that the Nuggets, I think, played the worst game yes. in the playoffs, maybe since game four of the first round. That, that, was, their last, that was their last loss. Um, what so, they shoot, like 20, 20, 23% from three-point right. land? Or, or not last loss, but that was their last um, loss in that, that first round. The two losses against Phoenix, like you knew Phoenix was going to battle back. Those weren't that surprising. Th this one, in my opinion, was it, it was an 11-point win, but it, the, it was one of those heat games where they always stay around. They never get like totally blown out, but you, you, you never thought the heat would make the comeback in this game. You were like, the Nuggets have this game under control. I don't think that Jimmy Butler will turn it up in the second half in the fourth quarter. And this game at halftime, I was like, yeah, this is like the Nuggets took game one. I didn't anticipate that comeback or whatever. And it, it, it sort of came, but it never it never did. I mean, this wasn't like a comeback that actually threatened the Nuggets. Gabe Vincent hit a couple of meaningless threes down the stretch to make it right. look and like and uh, how about how about Highsmith that was going crazy yeah. in the the fourth quarter that had like eighteen yeah. off the bench and he was yeah. making it close but again the closest they ever made it was like nine eight points and then the Nuggets would come back fire a shot and they'd be back to double digits so it never yeah. really got there so starting with the Nuggets in particular in this game why I didn't think they played their their best game like eight three pointers that's not the Nuggets like they have not been winning on uh, not taking threes. We know Jamal Murray can hit him. Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic has definitely been hitting. That was, that was eight out of 27. Right. I mean, piss poor shooting. Right. But, and they didn't even, they didn't take that many. They take 35 threes right. a game. Like they didn't take that many, which shows you that maybe they, uh, you know, or not maybe they, they attack the, the, the size difference that they have with the heat. Like there's a noticeable difference. The nuggets are longer. They're big. They're bigger. And it felt like the Heat defense that through yeah. the first three series of, of the Eastern Conference playoffs, they were able to impose their defense and set up in the half court. And, and that's how they, they were winning these games. In this one, the, again, the Nuggets, we said, the Nuggets just, they get the rebound and they go. They don't wait for you to set up. And when, when the Heat weren't set up, the Nuggets would just dribble in and, and they get any, they get some layups. They, they actually shot very good from the, from the field, not, not from three, but they shot 50, 50.6% from the field. So they, they were getting easier shots. That's why they didn't force a lot of threes. Um, I think that the Heat's perimeter defense was actually pretty solid there. Um, they and even, they to, and they got to the line, right? And they Miami got, that was using two free throws for the Miami heat as a team. What lowest what is in that? NBA history? The lowest in an NBA in, in NBA game. history. What I that's insane. In today's NBA, with the with how the refs have been calling these playoffs specific, uh, you know, specifically with the way the Heat play with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, the way they get to the line, two free throws, and I, both by, that's crazy. Both, both by Highsmith. It wasn't like Bam or Jimmy Butler got to the line. There was no aggressive take the ball to the hoop from yep. Miami all night. They, it literally looked like they were afraid of the size in the middle. 
Yeah. So, so that's the thing is that the, the, the heat are a little, and, and I'm not saying they're intimidated, but they're again, there's this notable difference in size that the heat don't have a lot of options on offense. It's shooting that three because that's what the nuggets were giving them. And they ended up shooting 13 for 39. So not a good percentage, even though they made more, but how about the guys that were making the threes in the past series? Caleb Martin, one for two, Max Struess, 0 for nine, 0 for nine, 0 for 10 from the field. He didn't have a point. Uh, Gabe Vincent made five, but five for 10 um, from three. And then obviously the guys off the bench that you want, Duncan Robinson, one for five and Kyle Lowry made three, but three for six. So like all these guys that have been giving you these big shots off the bench and making the threes. And the reason that the heat have made this crazy run, they didn't show up in, 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 in game one, did not shoot the three, right. And they lost by 11. So, well, well, makes you think. one, you, you mentioned the size difference, okay? When you have Jokic, who's 6'11", and then you have Bam out of Bayou at, what, 6'7", or whatever the heck he is? No, like, he's not 6'7", I mean, but, you know, he, he, maybe he, maybe, but, maybe 6'9", with, with shoes on. But I know what you're saying is that there's a but, notable difference between Bam and Jokic in when, the paint. When, when Jokic backed Bam up, it was like me backing you up when you were right. seven. And that's that's the point I was trying to make. You can acknowledge Bam, all defensive first team, this and that, defensive masterpiece, this. You're, you're talking about a guy that nobody's been able to stop. I don't care if you play good defense or not. Anthony Davis couldn't do it. Bam's not going to be able to do it by himself. This guy is, is wrecking anyone in his path. And unless you figure out some team way to stop him, because it's not going to take one or two guys, it's going to have to, you're going to have to come up with a scheme. And Jimmy Butler talked about this in the, in the post. Uh, conference and he said we have to adjust to to work as a team to 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 kind of slow him down um and, and that's the only way they're gonna they're even gonna you know steal a game or or, or two if they even get that far in this well, series Jokic, but, and and Jokic really didn't have to do much I mean he only took five shots in the second half like he was right. distributing the and, ball perfectly but and and that's why the Nuggets aren't going to be stopped in this from winning the series is because Jokic took 12 shots in this game. He could come out in game two and take 25, go for 40. Like the, the, the team just takes what you'll give it. And I'm sure the heat will adjust, but when the heat adjusts, the nuggets will adjust too. They'll, no, they'll they, just adjust another way. It gets worse for the heat. Aaron Gordon, six for six from the field. Couldn't be stopped. Right. Gabe Vincent is not going to stop. Aaron Gordon ever right right Michael Porter Jr. is 610 they don't have an answer for him either right I mean the the size difference is immense the only way Miami has a shot is if they go crazy with the three-pointer and let me tell you something I would say of the what they missed 20 I'm trying to do the math in my head 23 three-pointers I think they missed I would tell you 26 three-pointers they missed. I will tell you without even going back and, and looking back again, I promise you 15 of those were wide open threes without yep. being contested, right? Where Max Struess just couldn't hit me if I was and, standing there. Yeah. And some of that has to make you look at this, at the home statistic for the Nuggets, 9-0 and at home. Is that, that that you know, oxygen level and the, the above, being above sea level make a difference? I think that's an obvious that it does. And the Nuggets were more prepared for, you know, their shooting than than the Heat, obviously. And and the Nuggets just home court advantage. You know, that crowd gets loud and and they play much better at their, you know, on their home court, just smoother and and just a, you know, they they go in like the 
like the Celtics went into game seven saying the shots are going to fall. We're going to do enough to win this game because we're at home. Um, and, and then Nuggets are really banking off that. And that's what, you know, won them, them this game. I'm not so sure, you know, what happens in this game as a whole of if this, you know, is played in Miami. Because I, I need, we need to reiterate, like the Nuggets didn't play that great. And, the you know, Bruce Brown giving 10 off the bench was is fine, but he's been giving them much more than that. So, so you know, we know he can do a lot more than that. I am, I am anticipating an interesting game two again. I'm, again, I'm not stepping over this, you know, Nuggets. That, you know, they'll go up 2-0, whatever. Like, the Heat are, you know, that they, they just, they, they stick around. And I know in this game, you know, they never were in it, but they never gave up, too. Like, they kept battling back. They couldn't hit threes. So, you know, Bam Adebayo had to settle for mid-range shots, and he actually was hitting them played, in the first half. Very, offensively, he played very well. Right. right, so you have to give Bam his due. Right, so it's like after all this time of Bam being the one player this postseason that hasn't played particularly well offensively for the Heat, everyone else can't shoot, and then he finds his way. It's like, what is this? So maybe ne- you know, next game, let Caleb Martin and Strew settle in. Let Jimmy Butler, you know, maybe realize he's gonna have to do a lot more for them to have a chance in this series, and and we're gonna have a competitive game too. Um, I I would love to see. A non-snooze fest like this game one. This was a snooze fest for both teams. Uh, there were a lot of brick shots. Nothing very exciting was happening outside that first quarter. That was a, a good first quarter, but there was nothing you know enticing at the end of the game. And for the Heat, it's going to have to be a collective group with Bam playing as well as he did. You know, in in game one, he's going to need help if he's going to continue. You know, if they're going to let him have that mid-range shot and he's going to hit it, you know, he's going to need help too from from his shooters. So. I think the Heat will come back with a different game plan, but again, the Nuggets, whatever game plan you give the Nuggets, they have something to counter it. And whether you want to give Jokic the ability to go for 40 or not, I think he'll take whatever you give him. And he, and he will, you know, as as long as, and this was like, like Michael Porter Jr. went two for 11 from three. He, he was terrible, yeah. Jamal Murray two for seven. Like these guys have been, I've been shooting at a 50% mark from three this entire postseason. Okay. So they so they had a down game too, still won by eleven. Everybody had had some of a of a down game from what everyone's kind of boosted yeah. percentages have been for the whole postseason. Nuggets still won by eleven, so that needs to ma- be made clear. I, I would okay. I will I will take them to go up 2-0. but again, I still do think that the Heat win one of these games it uh, at home uh, when when they go back home. So first of all, you owe me twenty dollars because. Yep. That minus eight and a half was the easiest bet I've ever made. Number one. Number two, I will gladly go double or nothing on game two, and I'll lay the nine points again. Because this will be another double-digit win. This team is head and shoulders better than the Miami Heat, and they did not play to it. That rust of being off for a week, while it wasn't shown maybe in the overall results, it was shown in the fact that they did not shoot the way they typically shoot at home. They are going to destroy the Miami Heat in game two. Jimmy Butler would have to be all world and play at another level because there is not enough size. There's not enough offense. There's not enough weapons. You can't bring Cody Zeller off the bench. He's going to be dominated, right? You can't bring anybody off the bench. I mean, Kyle Lowry shows you one good game out of every 11. Right. So like there's Duncan Robinson. Great. You know, like one in, once in a blue moon and hit five threes. Your yeah. team is predicated on Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Gabe Vincent and, and Caleb Martin. It's not enough. 
It's not enough yeah. against the like I've said this 17 times. The best six players collectively as a team in the NBA. Not gonna beat them. The the thing with with uh with Jimmy Butler just looking on in this series, uh we we have not seen the, the this playoff Jimmy Butler we've all been talking about since game two of, right. of, of the Eastern Conference final. What they went up 2-0, they won those two games, he was going crazy, and we said, Oh my goodness, this is unreal. Still won that series, but Jimmy Butler didn't play that great offensively. Didn't have go for 30, his 40 points. Like Caleb Martin, I, I thought he should have won Easter Conference MVP um, for, for that series. The way he, he had to play, the way Struess had to play. If, uh, give credit to Bam, played better down that stretch to, you know, I know they were losing, but finally to win that game seven. So Jimmy Butler now, 13 points in game one. Like, dude, what? That, that's, that ain't, that ain't, that's not even close to doing it. Like this is, and 13 shots, like Jimmy Butler, I know he's an unselfish player. I know everyone around him has been playing good, but Jimmy Butler to win, to look, I might even say to win, to compete in this series, to have a chance, he's going to have to take 20 shots a game and he's going to have to have a minimum of 25 to 30 every game for them to give an offensive chance for him. He has to make the tough shots that we know Jimmy Butler can make. And when, especially when your role players are missing these open shots, you, you can't exactly trust in them like you have for the, you know, for these last couple of series. He needs to take over and he needs to have no regrets on this series because if he keeps playing passive like this, and honestly, the shots that he's taken that aren't bad, he's, he's missing. So he needs to lock in, hit some shots um, and, and kind of, kind of be a little selfish in, I, I guess, you know, in his respect. Be a little selfish and 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 take more shots and, and try to will this team, you know, to to a win. I don't know if it comes in game two, three, or four, but you know, they, they gotta get on the board at some point in the first four games, you know, to avoid that sweep. They will not compete in this series, get only uh forcing eight fouls, right? You yeah. cannot go through a game with eight fouls and never and only Highsmith gets to the free throw line for two shots. Jimmy, I mean, first of all, you're not getting Jokic or or Murray to go to the bench, right? right. I mean, they're, they're they're going to the bench for a two second, you know, little breather sometime in the third quarter. But I mean, these guys are still playing unbelievable minutes. I mean, what they played 40, 41, 45. Like, I mean, these these guys all played like pretty much the whole game. So you're not getting their starters out of the game. You're not getting like Christian Brown and and Jeff Brown to come in and play meaningful minutes. So you're dealing with the starters for the entire game. That is not going to be a recipe that Miami can win with, right? So, Butler, guess what? Take the damn ball. I mean, you're one of the best slashers and drivers to the hoop. Right. Go create and, contact. And that's been that, – that that's the thing that I – like, I want to see that from Jimmy Butler. Like, the only way you're going to get these guys to the – like you said, they take two-minute breaks off the bench. Like, when was the last time Jokic was in foul trouble? When was the last time that happened? That doesn't happen. How about Jimmy Butler – Get in the paint and and get some star calls on 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 Jokic. Like use that to your advantage. Like get him two fouls early in the game. You know by taking it to the hoop. We just haven't seen that. We did not see that aggression in game one from the Heat. They, again, they looked they looked intimidated, and I don't mean that from the fact that they were intimidated. Just the fact of this Nuggets starting five is too big. It's too long and too talented that they can just. They, they can just go on. They went on a run like that at the end of the first quarter. And that's when you called the game when they went up by double digits. And, and you just saw these, 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 you know, demoralizing runs that they go on. Sure. 
But don't you think, Age, that, you know, it took everything they had to beat the Celtics? Like, I mean, yes. they expended so yes. much energy mentally and physically. And then you have to go to the Mile High City where the air is thinner, right, to play in the hardest place in the NBA to play against a team that's rested and better than you. I mean, I don't know why anybody in their right mind took the eight and a half points. I mean, yeah. I really, I don't understand anybody that felt like Miami was going to give this a go. Yeah. So that was I my only, first of all, we won't be doubling down because that was my only Miami pick. Okay. I'm The Nuggets okay. are going to take game two and I'm back on this Nuggets kind of just are going to take control of this series. I got a seat right here for you. Wow. That's, I got a seat. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll join. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to game two there um, next week when we come back, we'll, try to get back with some NFL offseason content. So we'll have to figure right. out either some more okay. lists. Three things before you, mm -hmm. you, 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 you jettison out of here. Number yep. one, why is the next game in the NBA on Sunday in the same city? Why is there such a break? It's the NBA finals. You know, they do this every year. The, 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 is the this just. Or are they doing you know, it to, so that it's NHL, NBA, NHL, and NBA? Every I mean, year? I, I think that was like that has something to do with it, but the NBA Finals has always been two days of rest between every game. It's just yeah, how it works. They they gotta they gotta stretch it out longer, you know, to, to let it last. But yeah, we got Sunday, uh, and then Wednesday is Game Three, so we'll have kind of one in between episodes there, and then Friday is Game Four in in Miami. But yeah, the, the the Stanley yeah. Cup starts on the Stanley on Cup Saturday, starts on yeah. Saturday. So we'll talk right, about so that I'm, next week too. I'm all ready for that. And then two other little nuggets before we jump off. Number one, our boy Patrick Kane, you know, uh, hip surgery out four yeah. to six months. Yeah, we knew he had a hip injury. I didn't know it would take four to six months to go through surgery and recover from it. So that kind of puts a an interesting, uh, thing an interesting tag on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know. Yeah. Number two, did you see the news about Tony Pollard? I was I was actually going to mention that before we hopped off. That is right. that is very big news to be coming news. out in the beginning of June, uh, mm -hmm. for Tony Pollard to be way ahead of his his fibula um, injury. So that's yeah. huge news that that's Said, coming out at a Cowboys camp. Told everyone he's never felt faster and he will completely be ready for the start of training camp. Yeah, that that is. The start of being 100% ready for the start of training camp is better than anything that I personally imagined from Tony Pollard because yep. I, the reason I was so worried about the Cowboys running back position going into this offseason and I wanted us to draft a running back so bad and, and all that was because I truly thought that based on the injury, the timing of it, this was at the, this was in the playoffs. This wasn't like the end of the year. Like this was our, our playoff game we lost in. Um, yep. Like I, I thought Tony Pollard would would have a chance of not being ready for week one and that's what i was really scared of is it would take some time and you'd have a running back by committee but this is huge i mean if he's ready by training camp put all the worries away tony pollard is back there as a you know top running back in fantasy you, you have no you should have no uh, uh, kind of red flags about drafting him high like he's destined to if he is truly healthy by week one uh like goes through training cramp training camp like he says he's gonna and he's ready by week one Tony Pollard should be set for one hell of a, of a season. And then two more quick things. One, getting a lot of rumors out there that Minnesota might dump Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that that's actually it's not confirmed, but that is a that's a rumor that's pretty what true, or that's going to that's going to be true. Mm -hmm. 
that that is it, it's a tough situation. Like Dalvin Cook has been this really good solid running back. I feel like yeah. there was always this this you know thought that he could become a little better than he always was, and injuries held him back, and he never you know got still to solid. that. Still a solid running back, and and he'd get picked up in a heartbeat if he is in fact cut as like a post June first cut, and he would definitely have a market and and try to probably find his way back to a starting role. But it, it just it, it just it's not that it, he's been a bust on the Vikings. It just I feel like that team as a whole just has hasn't worked out, and I feel like he's kind of the, one of the original pieces. And you're gonna see Kirk Cousins leave soon, and you know you already saw Adam Thielen leave. So some of these key offensive pieces. It's going to be Justin Jefferson there with a new quarterback soon could, and a new offense imagine, in total. Could you imagine if Dalvin uh, hooks up with his brother in Buffalo? That yeah, would be a hell be, of a one-two that punch. Would be hell, that would be cool. I mean, that, that would definitely be a great one-two punch. And to see those two guys on the field together, and especially if Buffalo could get a running back like that, that's a hole that they've been having for, for years. So mm-hmm. so that one, that one I found really fun, really interesting. And then uh, last thing, uh, so – the the SEC, did you see this? Uh, looking to instead of doing the divisions, ah uh, yes, yeah, like to go to a nine game, yeah, interconference season, sorta, yeah, play each other, you know, and do, but like not to have the the different breakouts to the east and the west. Yeah. Like, I, there's something about the SEC that I love the east and west, right? Yeah. I love I that think... Georgia, Alabama, Florida, right. you know, Auburn, like like hey, let's get there to a, an SEC championship game. That is based on an East and West sort of rivalry thing. Yeah, I I think that I think all college conferences should have the East and the West thing because that's you get a, a an East champ, you get a West champ, and they play for the the conference championship the last week of the season. Like that's how it should work. All these conferences that, that have gone to a one uh, a one category sort of right. of standings and then just done one and two. Right. Here's, for 15, the here's 15 teams, and if you're 13, yeah, 12, I mean, and 11, nobody cares. Uh, about that, you. The, that, that one, it, it honestly doesn't make that big of a difference, but I still just feel like the East, the West, like you said, like the, the rivalries, not just the SEC, but the SEC is the most just with, with you know, with the history and, and, yeah. and the East and the West and the rivals there. Like that is what makes college football, and, and that is, is why we love it so much. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. I love the East and the West. I don't know why there's this whole why everything is is so especially in college football like they're they're trying to change everything with scheduling and conference they're just trying to change everything I don't know exactly why it's like not broken like right. the, the the college football world is not broken the viewership and, is up everybody is tuning into the the four team championship everybody wants eight teams to be expanded on the playoff side why are you screwing around with this I, crap that I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's just more money hungry, keeping the money inside the SEC if that's what they're trying to do. Whatever it may be. Again, yeah, I don't like it. I I, I don't like all these teams moving whatever. Every team's jumping to the next conference. You know, after, you know, someone that, that goes to UCF that we've been waiting years for this for a finally a Big 12. It just seems that everyone's kind of jumping you know, on our, on our tail. And, but now they're getting there in a year or two and they're just, they're just going wherever they want. You know, they it doesn't really have to go through any process. So yeah, college football is going through this weird time and, and we'll, we should still have an exciting year this year. And I'm excited for when that eight series or the 18 playoff comes. Uh, but yeah, that I, I am worried that, that the, the conferences in the next couple of years and maybe not like the near next couple of years, but down the road, we're going to come into some super we're, we're going to come into some ma- like major issues. Yeah, 
No, there's no doubt about it. Um, and then lastly, before we, we, we completely really do drop off, uh, with Garoppolo screwed his foot up, right? No real strong backup. You got a part-time owner in there who still could throw the ball. Is Tom Brady going to come out of retirement and, and, and hold the fourth down until Jimmy G comes? Not not going to happen. Uh, Tom Tom Brady... Tom Brady, I think the last thing he wants to do right now is come out of retirement. And I think the very last thing he wants to do is come out of retirement to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. So yeah. All right. I, yeah, just I don't sure. think that, just, that, just, that's just a, that is a weird story though with, with Garoppolo. Like I, I think everything should turn out fine eventually. Like he should eventually be able to pass a physical, but if his injury is really bad and then he ends up not being able to play football. Uh, yeah. The Raiders are kind of screwed. screwed there on the, the quarterback side. Screwed. And then Devontae Adams is going to request a trade, and here we go again. Yeah, so they better figure that hey, out. Most important, get your butt on the Ted Lasso train. I will Let's start go. it. I will I will start it this weekend, start Ted Lasso this weekend, and then we come back next week, um, and we'll, we'll think of some, some more NFL stuff to do, um, and, and, and we'll be back on Tuesday.